I am unashamed. What about you? So we're uh, still in North Carolina with Zach. Still here. Still here. Uh, we have added Jepicoa. Jepicoa is a surprise guest today. Jep, Yo, what do, what's up? What are you doing in, back home? I just came visiting, and uh, I've been in the woods with Phil. <laughs> sounds sounds you know, like a TV show. This should be yeah. a show. Everything over there is trying to kill you. I got stung by a bee. I killed a giant Congo. Really? It's, uh, it's a jungle. I, I forgot how bad. It's like Predator over there. Yeah. <laughs> you get used to it after about 50 years. No. So oh, you're the Jesse Ventura in the in there. I've noticed yes. Phil has a tendency whenever anybody new comes on scene, he now has someone to send in first. Well, <laughs> I look for young bucks who are well built and disciplined, have plenty of muscle, and you don't want them too smart, so they get they go to pontificating on you. All you want is manual labor. So get the drag, get out there on the beaver dam, and start whacking. So yeah, you. we cut beaver dams. They put them back overnight. You said, why don't you kill them all? We don't have the time or the wherewithal to sit down there all night, every night, waiting on a beaver to swim by. I mean, it just, we trap some, but the bottom line is we're draining water, and we're trying to reach the level where there's a mud flat. What was water about waist deep we're trying to get that out make a mud flat we flew rice in in an airplane like a crop duster type you know well they also plant rice so they planted the rice in about four inches of water then they came to me and said make sure you get the four inches of water off the piece of real estate because the rice is going to germinate with the water on it but you have to get it off of it when it begins to germinate. The rice will come up through the silt, and uh, you'll have your rice crop there. So they flew it in, and that said, okay, get the water off of it after five days. So we went down there, and we've been fighting the beavers ever since. And uh, it's quite the – we've got it down to about 25% of the mud flat. It's probably – Think about about a hundred and hundred yards wide, <laughs> and, and about a quarter mile long. So it's down to to muck now. So you have to have the equipment to get in there, and uh, it's a challenge. These young bucks, you get about 35, 40 minutes out of them, and they want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, how does it feel to be well built? Phil said you were. Uh, so all the stuff you said, I'm none of those. And actually, I think I'm pretty smart. So I'm the exact opposite person of what you're talking about. Oh, um, Jeff got that. stung. He said, I thought this was a horse fly, but does a horse fly leave a mark like that? And I could see where the stinger had penetrated his left arm. And I said, honey. He said, honey, honey, what are you talking about? I said, put a drop or two of honey on it when we got back. I said, Put a drop or two of honey on it. Does that work? It actually does. It worked. There so he is right there. you by a bee and the remedy is honey? Yep. Bees sting people, How? and the Almighty allowed bees to make honey that you put on your body when you get stung by the bees. I don't know if I believe that or not. That sounds like an old wise no, tale. Ask Jeb. Did it help? It helped. And then Bobo licked it off, and then I was back to where I started. Be, be, be you got to keep the dogs from, from licking your arm because they'll take care of your ailment there. I mean, Trust me, be careful around Bobo. As, I was going to say, I don't know if you've gotten the latest report, but I don't yeah. think I want Bobo's teeth anywhere near my body. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bobo will tear your lips off. <laughs> Poor By the way, Miss K, is, Miss K is fully healed up. All it looks like now is somebody got a little Botox heavy on the bottom part, the bottom lip. On the left-hand side, looks like a little Botox was inserted there. She needs a little more right to the right. There's a little dent in her lips. But when you get 75, you don't care, Jace. I'm just getting you ready for your womanhood. See what I'm saying? I appreciate it. <laughs> I, I tell you this, my wife does not like 
animals in general. So she's not, she may have something happen, but she's not going to be down in the face of a dog. By the way, I heard uh, many, 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 more than I would ever thought, contacted. They didn't get a hold of me, but they got a hold of people that talked to me and Your said, people. The people are reporting that that happened to their daughter. She had her lips eaten off by a dog, part of her nose, some of them said. Yeah. But they awoke, they, they, they awoke a sleeping dog. The old adage is, let a sleeping dog lie. But, but you, you, everybody that has animals out there, and I know a lot of you do, we love them. But, uh, and probably there's been animals that lost their life for less than that. But I mean, in this case, the dog was asleep. You just don't want to get too close to them with your face when you awaken them. Because it can happen oh, right. because a lot of people, more than I thought, told me about it, Jace. Well, I've I told you my philosophy. Every time a dog, because i got several in our neighborhood that they're attack dogs, which I, I can appreciate that. People have dogs in their, in their yards, and that's the first line of defense. But they don't realize that I live here. And so if I'm in my yard and that dog comes charging at me, because I'm not going to mention any names, but, you know, Willie and some of his crew, they got a dog that keeps running in my yard trying to attack me. Yeah. So when I see that dog coming, I take off right toward He needs it. to learn a valuable lesson, neighborly, be neighborly. Yeah. You know, that's why my my, my dogs, my, my people that live next to me, good brother and a sister, they have a dog, but I, I give him a little grub from time to time just to show him we need to be friends. Yeah. Oh, Mutt's his name, but uh, he'll walk up to me. You know, he's a grinner. He's one of, you seen them dogs that are grinning? Yeah. I mean, his lips go back. He, I say, what's that? And, Mup? and he'll grin at me. I'm like, okay, buddy. <laughs> he bares his teeth, but it's a smile. It's not like, I'm going to eat you up. Yeah. He yeah. just smiles, and I'm like, that's a good dog. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Dogs smile, by the way, if, for if all of you dog lovers. There are I'm dogs. learning all kind of things. Dog smile. If you get stung by a bee, put some honey on it. Jace, that's what what I'm trying to get you to understand is is don't let the uh, the stock market totally complete the whole you know take over your whole mind. Well, trust me, it's not. I'm I'm a long term investor. <laughs> Your dad's got the wit, wit and wisdom today. He's like a he's yeah. like a you know Will Rogers. A little bit of everything. Even I mean, what I'm most impressed with is his dad knows about Botox. How yeah, would you they, even know about that? I didn't dad? think I mean, they I, did that. They I saw some that. television show and them women out in L.A. are big on the Botox, so I just kind of took it and ran with it. I said, yeah, they want their lips puffy, and you know, if a dog chews on your lips, I mean, when it's all done, this <laughs> part of it is bigger than it was. So I just thought, well, try that. Try Botox. <sighs> Miss Kay said, I'm not going to do anything because I don't mind it. But she didn't do anything, did she? No. Oh, you're just saying it looked like that, but she actually didn't do anything. She didn't do anything. Yeah. Just let it heal up, and it healed up fairly rapidly. Kiss her on the cheek. Yeah. You know? Well, we're going to have her on before too long so she can give us her version of it. So, Jeff, tell us about what you're (laughs) – tell us since we didn't know – I didn't know you were even in town. Tell us a little bit about All Guys Children, what you're doing these days. Uh, it's pretty awesome. We just started a, um, we got a building in Ethiopia because there you actually need somewhere for people to go because in like Colombia, <clears throat> we work with orphanages that are established. Um, you know, we bring in people to to help get these kids over sexual abuse and uh, just any kind of abuse. And uh, But in Ethiopia, we just got a building and it's awesome and they're like super fired up so they can come and stay um, and get treatment, and so we're we're excited about that. So that's good. Is yeah. it like f- f- food too, meals? Oh yeah, it's everything. So they're everything. Yep. There it's a, a place they can come get help from whatever they need help. What from age kids. group are we dealing with here? I mean, like pretty small kids. I mean, like I would say kindergarten age. Uh, really? Yeah. All the way up through high school. Are these people, these kids abandoned or they are... So when I went... Kidnapped, abandoned, what? When I went, when you just walk down the streets of Addis Ababa, which is the capital of Ethiopia, there is kids every, I mean, thousands just walking the streets. Hmm. 
So and they and they said don't give them money because if you do, some some guy will see that and go back there and beat that kid and take the money. So they're like, if you if you give them something, they'll. So that's making me uh, Al, What's the what's the what's what's Ethiopia? Is it a some kind of republic, a dictatorship, uh, oligarchy? What? I'm not sure what their current political status. If it's like most African nations, because what I just, just heard doesn't doesn't sound too well. I mean, how big a problem is this in the United States? Probably. I mean, I, heard. Um, I mean, it's not like a, I mean, it's a third world country. It's they don't have a lot of structures. That's why we were like, we got to get a place established where they know, like, if I need help, I can go to this place. Boy, talking about Romans 13, Jace, you know, yeah. loving your neighbor, need, needing to be implemented uh, here and Ethiopia. What would you think, Al? Well, and what I love about it is, is, is Jep is a part of an organization, you know, All God's Children that does this. But there's a, a lot of them in the U.S. that are working all around the world. It's pretty, it's pretty neat to see there's still that spirit of, you know, we want to help kids wherever they are, you know, whatever their circumstance. Easy to say, well, you know, third world country, you know, they got a lot of problems. You know, we, we just worry about ourselves. But I think you're right that the spirit of always wanting to help those who can't help themselves. I mean, for the church, that should be, you know, and, and the Christians, that should be our main goal, is, you know, in, in wanting to help people understand the gospel, but also just to take care of people who can't yep. take care of themselves. By the way, in lieu of what Jace, the speech he gave yesterday on about uh, uh, Romans 13, you know, love your neighbor and you fulfill the law, just looking at it big picture, Al, when did John the Apostle write 1st, 2nd, 3rd John? What would you say? It for, was late. I mean, most of, most it was late. Most of them guessed that around 90 A.D. I mean, it was right before he did Revelation. Probably. So here's the world of 90 A.D., Al. Just think about it. And now fast forward. 2021. Dear friends, this is 1 John 4. John the Apostle, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Now, this is back in the in the 90 ADs, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But Every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and listen to this, and even now, 90 AD, is already in the world. He said, dear children, you're, you're from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. They are from the world, and look at the look at this, the ramifications of what he's saying. They're from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. That's quite, that's quite the summation of what happens when you don't love God and you don't love Jesus Christ and you don't love your neighbor. You'll go to places and you'll say, where'd all these children come from? I mean, where, who's, who loves these little children? Where, where do they go? I mean, that's... Uh, so what's your answer to that there, Zachary? You're kind of a pontificator. Yeah, very, very next two and a half, three verses gives us the anchor for the whole thing. It's about love. Listen to this, 1 John 4, 8. It gives a description of God's nature when it says, the one who does not love does not know God, for God is love, which is interesting because, you know, we think about the attributes of God. I mean, when, when you consider who God is, in his inner life, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that's what he is. He's love. I, I mean, that is his nature. So I think all of this is rooted in the very nature of God. We're made in God's image, Genesis 126, 127. So if we're actually living out our real potential and our full nature, then we are reflecting who God is. And if God is love, then for us to reflect that would be for us to love each other. So, Hang on, Dad. Let's take a break. 
So Jeff, we talk a lot about trying to save money on this podcast. And uh, part of the reason ways we do that is uh, by some of our great sponsors. And one of those is a company called Gabby Insurance. And there's a lot of people out there that, that claim they compare rates, but Gabby actually does it. That's kind of their whole deal. Uh, that's the one thing that they're good at. And so they get fast, verifiable, true comparisons. They're not, it's not just a ballpark guess. And you can save quite a bit of money. In fact, on average, it's like over $900 a year that you'll save by their comparison, which is really good. Uh, you use your current policy to find a better, better policy, uh, and then they're going to check it against the top 40 providers. So all the big boys, you know, they check them out and see. All the big boys. All the big boys, and we like that. Lisa and I actually used it. Uh, when Lisa got a little car, and uh, we we used what they do, and we saved about nine hundred fifty dollars, which was exactly what uh, they claim that they do, and it's true. So you can check it out; uh, it's it's free, uh, and it shows these policies, so you have nothing to lose by giving them a shot. Here's the way you do it: you go to gabby.com. That's g-a-b-i.com/slash/unashamed. Gabby.com/slash/unashamed and save yourself some money on car insurance. So the question is, is it a political fix, Zach? Or, or, a, or a spiritual one? Well, I think it's a spiritual one, Phil. It's always going to be a spiritual one. You're not going to be able to, I mean, obviously when you get into, the, the interesting thing you brought it out is this book is written later and so there's been a few years now to be able to observe the church, how, we, how they function with each other, what you see. And yep. we know from the earlier epistles that Paul did that there was a lot of, and this, back to Romans 13, 14, there was a lot of interdivision and a lot of love not being shown between brothers and sisters as well. Mm -hmm. So I think what happens is that's what the evil one's best defense against the church is to turn her against herself, each other. You get all the infighting, you don't have love, therefore you have nothing to offer people By the way, Al, we'll fast forward to 2021, 21. So what's the diff between now and what the Apostle John said was going on in the 90s AD? Think about it. Is, that, is it still here? No love among the brothers and no love among each other? I mean, all it is is 2,000 more years of the similar stuff. The, the good news is it didn't de-evolve to the point that there's still not love that is shown to the point that we started. I mean, you see whoever started Jeff's organization, they want, I mean, they want to love people. Mm -hmm. So it's still here. What, what Christ left for us is still here. It's just the constant attack, I think, that, you know, the war within is what I call the enemy within. Yeah. And there's, I think there is, going back to your previous point, Phil, there are political, certainly the kingdom changes politics, but it was never like the intention, it seems like, of Jesus to go and have political change. It just, you know, systems change when people change, and people change whenever they have an encounter with who God is and, and His presence and and His love. I mean, even God's wrath and mer His wrath flows from His love. His mercy flows from His love. You know, so I think that love is, is one of these um, primary attributes that aren't contingent upon creation. And there are things of God that come into play and in how he relates to his creation, like things like God's sovereignty. Yeah, that comes into play when God creates something that he's sovereign over. Or God's mercy. God's showing mercy whenever people sin and he gives them mercy. God's wrath, that's what happens when people sin. God gives them wrath. But God's love was existing before God, it existed before God created anything because there was Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You have three persons in the Godhead that were eternally loving each other. In fact, they loved each other with such a purity that they're actually one being. And that's, I think that's why when we talk about like who we are and we, we, we have this longing for intimacy, we have this longing for connection, we've got a longing for community, we've got a longing for relationship, that, the reason why we're like that is because we're made in the image of God, and, and when we're not doing that, when we're hurting each other, it's why, it's, that's why misery and pain and death come. That's why the people Jet works with. I mean, I mean, you look at thousands of kids in the streets of Ethiopia, like something got messed up there, and there's pain as a result. And then the church, our job is to go in now and reinstitute 
God's nature into the into the world and to expand His kingdom in such a way. Would you agree that our our response to the sins of the world that's swirling all around us, Jeff saying in Ethiopia and foreign countries and, and all that going on, maybe at John four twelve, first John four twelve, no one has ever seen God. Maybe that's why it's hard to make an argument for him. But if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he's given us his spirit. Well, if that's not seen among the people of God, if that's not front and center, I guess my question is, why not? What's holding us back? Well, and I was going to say, um, you were talking about who started at All Guys Children. It's the Frasers, and they were just an adoption agency for, until like six years ago, and they just saw the need. There was still orphans. I mean, they knew a lot of organizations that worked with orphans, but there was still so many that needed help. So it was like... We can't just keep watching it. I mean, we love these kids. We got to help. Like, so is it the church's responsibility, uh, Al, or is it the government's responsibility? So just where, where, who, who, where's the fixer in this? The government or God's people? I just don't think it's ever structured for government to have spiritual qualities. I mean, I just don't think you're ever going to get love out of institutions. Now, you know, they're supposed to care, but in America, it was set up that the people actually were in charge. That's kind of been flipping over, you know, for quite a while now. But how can you get love out of law? How can you get love out of, you know, all we do is throw money at it. We throw money at it. Governments throw money at it and throw money at it. But how much money do you have to throw at it to make any impact? It's just a, it's what I'm saying is that structure will never be able to do what we were called to do. And that's because it has to be reflected through us. Well, it's so. like like the Frasers that Jet mentioned. I mean, they were they were called to do this right. ministry. That, so who's going to do it more efficiently? You know, right, Jeff? Yeah, and I will say what's pretty cool about the law and government is in Colombia there was not a law when you were in an orphanage, you could be there indefinitely till you were um, be able to get adopted. I mean, because we we're, we're trying to get those kids adopted in the U.S. with people who you know, want to have, you know, a kid and they can't. Well, we worked with the government to change a law that makes it where they have, um, I think, six months until they're eligible or not for adoption. So they did. We did help change a law, which is pretty cool. So they don't just put them in the bottom of the stack every time. Like after six months, like they can be adopted or they can't. Which see, is, let's see. You've adopted kids. Jace, one. you've adopted kids. Uh who else in the family? Zach, Willie's, Zach adop- just Willie's adopted baby. kids. Zach, you've adopted them, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, well, I've, I've adopted one. Yeah, yeah is same. that is that I the answer? <laughs> I think it's part. I think it's part of the answer. I think that there's a paradox. I think the whole gospel is a paradox. When you hear when you hear Jesus say things like, um, "If you want to, if you want to receive, and you have to give." Like that's a paradox, which is a perceived contradiction that upon further investigation, it's you re- realize it's not. Uh, he says, if you want to live, you have to die. If you want to be first, you have to be last. And If you want to win, you have to surrender. Yeah, it's like everything is opposite of what you think. And I, I used to think that that was uh, like if I want to be first, then I, I would go get in the back of the line. Like when you're in elementary school, and then the and then the the I want to be the line leader, so I go get in the back of the line, and then the teacher notices how humble I am, and then she escorts me to the front of the line where I get to look at the rest of these schmoes, you know. But I really think what what Christ is getting at is that the best place to be is in a place and in a posture of giving rather than receiving, because that that reflects the nature of God. Uh, Christ, Philippians two who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. So you see, even in even in the, the incarnation of, of Christ, of God becoming flesh, you see a God who pours out. And I, I think that's what God's glory is primarily about. Is it's about this all-powerful God who who gives. 
it doesn't make sense. It's bizarre, but yet somehow it's profoundly beautiful. So I think anything that we do as a church, you know, we're we're to, we're basically called to be the manifold wisdom of God to the world. I think what that means is is that we are to reflect His glory by this selfless life that we're to live. Part of that's adoption, although ironically, it's a great example. I adopted our child to to help her. In the process, I found myself receiving way more from the relationship than, than, I, than I'm giving. So it's, it, yeah. it, it's, yeah. it's, it's a paradox. Here's a yeah. good stat for you. If, if one family in every evangelical church adopted a child in the U.S., there would be no orphan care system and no foster care system. It, the, every kid would have a home, a Christian home. Like how is this not how how have we not done that's that? That's pretty. Yet? That's pretty. I mean, you look at that, you're like, hmm. Yep. Well, so uh, let's take a break. One of the things I find interesting is that the older Dad gets, we're still young bucks <laughs> in his mind, but we're really we're really older. Me, I mean, I guess Jeff and Zach now here, we've got some forties, you know, back on the fight. But me and Jason are in our fifties, so when he calls us young bucks. That's only in comparison to him being 70-something years old. Did you know she did that, Dad? Well, I saw y'all as uh, children, and now you're grown men, but, and I'm looking at gray hair, you know, wandering around, you know. I, I, I'm just, Wandering around. Yeah, we, we just <laughs> we, we don't really wander that much. But, but one of the things we do share, I have to admit, as we get older, is aches and pains aches from and pains. inflammation. Yeah, uh, and so we, we have found a great sponsor, Omega XL. No doubt, uh, we love these guys. Thirty-five years of clinical research; they're fantastic. They really focus in on inflammation because that's where all the problems start. So we want you to try this. It's a big help for us. Uh, Dad and I take it uh, every day. It's the only thing Dad takes, so it tells you something right there. You go to omegaxl.com/fill. You're going to buy a bottle. You're going to get a second bottle for free. So that gives you a couple of months, which is about what it takes to really feel the difference. So it's omegaxl.com/fill. Or you can call them 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888 and work on your inflammation. So when Lisa and I go around the country and we talk, you know, we speak in a lot of pro-life settings, obviously trying to convince people that abortion is not only immoral, but, you know, you're killing children. But one of the things we always mention is that if you're going to be pro-life, then you're going to have to, uh, alongside that, be pro-adoption. Because if we're bringing more babies into the world and not slaughtering them, which we should be doing, then they have to have someone that's willing to open their arms and say, we want these children. Because many of these, the way they got in the situation is because the person can't take care of them. You know, it's not in a position to do that. Maybe it's drugs or some other situation. So they have to run simultaneous. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why, that's part of the whole pro-life idea. You don't hear as much about it, but it's crucial, Yeah, you know, really to be able to provide that. It's kind of like you were talking about, Zach, to do this right, to do it God's way, it's a daunting task uh, to, to make children that are not your own, but just make them your own by your decision to say, come on into our family structure. We're, we're going to love you. We're going to feed you. We're going to raise you. We're going to teach you, and and that's where it's going to be. I guess you're right, Jeff. If if just you mean if if every one family, just one. Hmm. And it is the gospel. I mean, that is the gospel. I mean, is is yeah. we didn't deserve it. You know, they didn't. You know, it's it's. Yeah. It makes sense to me. I don't. I, I don't. find it fascinating that even thinking about you three, you know, out of us talking today. All of you had a heart open to opportunity. It wasn't like you were necessarily looking like, okay, we're going to, you know, this time's going to come and we're going to adopt it. So it wasn't like part of your family structure plan. You all just had an opportunity. And Jace described it before on the podcast, you know, for their situation. This was a, what, Jace, she was 17 or 18 years old. And yeah, she became was 17 an and, and it was just a situation outside of her control. Here's an orphan girl who's educated herself worked hard her whole life 
put her faith in Jesus. She She's just getting, needed a break. She took the internet, which you know has a lot of things that are evil and bad, but she used it as a resource to educate herself, get a scholarship to go to high school. Eventually, you know, made the step up to get her scholarship to go to a university in America. I mean, she did this uh, pretty much on her own. I mean, she had uh, one of the pastors of the church there kind of was a mentor to her. And now a civil war breaks out in her country, and she's stranded with no money, no family, no phone. <laughs> and so gets word to the guy at the church, and uh, they call us and basically said, well, y'all, we all help this girl. And it was so crazy that the story was, uh, you know, by the time you tell somebody, especially when you're dealing in different countries. Now, helping the girl. But by the time the information got to me, it was a 24-year-old woman who stranded, and it was actually a 17-year-old girl, orphan girl. And so I was like, if you get her up here, yeah, we'll take we'll 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 try to help her. But I never realized after a while I just watched her because she stayed with us. And so I, how difficult has the work been? Because people would say I would, I might think about doing that, but I don't. This sounds like hard work to me raising children, especially children that are not your own flesh and blood, right. to take that step and say, I tell you what, come on in. And so you you lived it, Jace, and you lived it too. Well, I'm still living it. Yeah, so, I got a young one. <laughs> so how yeah, hard how, is, how, how hard is, is the work? It's not easy. I mean, it's really not because genetically, I've learned a lot about that, and we do a lot. Well, maybe that's what what uh, uh, Dasher was alluding to when he said, you know, whoever's first to be last, you say, you know, this is work. Yeah. And you and you sacrifice and suffering yeah. for someone else's benefit. I think maybe you're on it there, Zach. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But I, I would add that you you do receive a, a blessing in it as well. I was a little nervous about it because I didn't know what it would be like. You know what, how what my affections would be like for some for a child that wasn't connected to me with you know, to my genetics. But um, you know we've had Ruth now since Easter. And, um, and man, I'm, I love her as much as I love any of my biological children. I, it, it's, so it's, she's it's, become your own in your mind. No, she, she's yours. No, no, no question. And, and to Jeff's point, it, it, for me, it's been one of the greatest, maybe the greatest manifestation of the gospel that I've been able to experience because God, like I chose her not based on anything that she had done. And in the same way, that's how God chose us. And so you're, you're, you're reaping this benefit it's it's like you're you're seeing the gospel played out, and and the way I love her, I'm like, man, if my father, my heavenly father, loves me that way, and even more so, man, I'm in a pretty secure spot. I'm in, a, I got a pretty good deal going on here, you know. Well, you guys are to be you, Jace, for what what you the story you told about the girl, and you, Jeff, for what you do, and you, that y'all are to be commended for your faith, wouldn't you think, Al? Yeah, and that's and that's the whole point. I mean. That's what, you know, when, when Paul says making the most of every opportunity, this is something that people should be looking for, uh, opportunity. Yeah, I think, too, you got to be open-minded. You know, once we had Mia, who is a kid with special needs, we were always planning on adopting, and we had talked about it. But when that happened, we thought, well, we pretty much got our hands full here, so let's put that idea off. And then, but I think our heart was in that, and I we just recognized the opportunity and it wasn't really something official. It was just after being around Karina for, for three months, I just watched her because I was thinking, you know, I'm going to have to watch this girl. There's no, I kept waiting for the, uh, whatever my fears were yeah, to the, happen. The explosion. <laughs> yeah. And I thought after a while, I thought I, I was like so much more inspired by seeing the courage of this girl thinking most humans would have quit at some point along the way. So here. offering to help her became a great uh, uh, joy for you. Oh, I, so I one day she just, I tried to give her some money because she was fixed to go off to college, and she said, no, thank you, sir. I'm, you know, I'm good. 
But I mean, she just won't take anything. She's she's Boy, you'd driven. Have, you'd have to be from a foreign country to well, come up right. with that. Yeah, but she's always had that quality, which is so commendable. And because uh, she feels like she just wants to to work and 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 make it herself. So finally, I said, "Hey, come on. I said, "I want to talk." Interesting story. I said, "I want to talk to you because she's so much more grateful than most humans because she came from nothing." So she makes she everything. makes good grades. I mean, yes, I mean, yeah, makes good grades. She got her a job. I mean, she she just every step of the way. I mean, she basically just used our house as a place to, you know, to stay for a while as she continues her journey towards success. But one day she was walking by and I said, "Look, I want to talk to you." I said, "Look, you don't, you know, I know your parents. You don't have parents." I said, "We don't have a." a Nicaraguan daughter. So what do you think about us being your American parents? And she said, yes, please. That's a good idea. <laughs> I mean, that was basically the formality that had. That's pretty and, cool. Uh, yeah, it really, it really is. And, and so now that's just the way we operate. We're, we're a family and I'm, I'm just like Jeff. I feel as strong about her as I do any of my other other kids, I moved to emotions. At these feeds we have, when I come to your house, uh, she'll be seated over somewhere, you know, over there, quietly, and I'll come in, and if and when we make eye contact, she'll go like, she'll give you a little wave. Give me a little wave. Yeah, <laughs> she's just a, she, she's she has a great cool. sense of humor. Like she has a great heart. She loves the Lord, and that girl is driven to succeed. Like yep. no one I've ever been around. She's just driven to su to succeed. And you just think about it. She's in her last year now. She's fixed to be a graduate of a of American University. Amazing. Hey, Jace, let's let's take a break. No, I was going to say that. Like, I love that uh, how Jay said he was inspired. I think that's what I'm talking about with this paradox. You think you're sacrificing. But in in reality, you you are the one being inspired. You're the one that's being transformed. You're the one that's receiving. So that, that's the paradox. Is it's not it is a sacrifice, but in the end, it's not. And um, it's like with Jesus, for the joy set before him, the Bible says he endured the the, the, the scorn and the suffering of the cross. So it's a paradox. He 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 endured suffering, but why? For the joy that was set before him. I think the same way we 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 should suffer for that but it's for the joy that's before us right so well and I, I think, think it goes back go ahead go ahead yeah you go ahead Al. um I, this past sunday here i preached um and zach's doing a, a series or he had the guys at his church out of genesis and so i preached out of genesis 16 where you had the story of hagar the slave versus you know having a child ishmael versus what God had planned to begin with, which was Isaac coming from Sarah, but they didn't know the plan. And so they were kind of making up their own plan. And so I made the point that the promise of God is always better than our performance, what we think we can do. And so to Zach's point, I think that's exactly what you're saying here. God made a promise. He said, look, if you trust in me and you love and you live the way that I've told you to do and you, and you give me that credit for, for being who I am, you're always going to receive blessing, no matter what's going on. So your performance could be good, it could be bad, you could mess up, you could not mess up, but you still receive that. And so I think that illustration, and Paul, by the way, Paul uses that in Galatians 4 mm -hmm. as to show us that faith always supersedes law. And so I, I think it, it's always the winner. And so I think that's exactly what you're seeing play out in, the, in everything we've been talking about today. Yeah, a good way to look at it is you say we're not being good to... Uh, the orphans and the widows, James said, hey, pure and undefiled religion is being kind to, uh, the, what do you say, the downtrodden, the, the widows and the orphans. But, you know, when you look at it, actually, because you have a relationship with Jesus, because of what he's done for us, because of his spirit being in us, guaranteeing what he's promised, he says, you go forth, and he said, and you do things like bring children into your family. You're not doing it to as a work to be saved. You are saved, 
and you understand what that means, and you're like, you know what? I'll fulfill what God said. I'll love, I'll love him, and I'll love my neighbor. But I would take it a step further and say I was incapable of making that decision without the experience of God doing that to me. Yep. I mean, I just would not have noticed. I would my radar would not have been looking for that. And That's you right. know, my one of my favorite verses, that one in Galatians, it says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. You know, that's a lot of times when people I'm having in a Bible study where people are just so anti-God and I kind of forget the uh, the normal way of sharing with them. And I start saying, look, if you're just not open to experience this, just come try it, because I know that experience of Jesus, which reminds me of that line from the uh, the chosen when Nathaniel and Philip, I mean, here's their brothers and they're talking and he's like, ah, oh, this can't be the son of God. He's from Nazareth. And he's like, just come and see. He was like, just because he, he knew if you experience this, it's going to validate something that you've never even imagined that is possible. And so when you think of all those verses in the Bible, like to show that we're treasures of clay and we do that, or God designed that to, to show that the power is coming from him. And even the verse y'all said, God is love. You know, with us, we, we decide to love somebody and then we decide not to love somebody, but God just loves. Yep. And so when you're sitting there saying, well, I feel like God doesn't love me anymore. Well, that's impossible. He, he is love. It, it's, it's, it's there. So then that first John four passage, you know, later on, right after that, it says, we have confidence in this world because in this world we're like him. Well, it's because we're carrying his power and his love that has taught us how to respond in these situations. Good point. But this, hey, Jace, uh, let's Romans. Take, let's take one last break. Yeah, to your point, Jace, Romans 12, Paul says exactly the same thing you said, that in, in uh, view of God's mercy, you present your bodies as living and holy sacrifices. So the sacrifice doesn't, you can't present your body as a living sacrifice unless you begin with viewing it in God's mercy and what he's done for us. That, that's, that, is the, that is the first move, is recognizing what Christ has done and his mercy he's given us. And then we can go out and, and participate in sacrifice. All the way down to you, you'll be able to love your enemies. Yep. Sounds you know, like my ride's well, showing up here. So yeah, 310 to Yuma. <laughs> <laughs> we're there's right next a to a train. I was, so just, I, I was thinking, there's a train it's, it's, coming. <laughs> <What> if, <laughs> I, thought, uh, I thought of another verse, uh, Zach, in Romans 12, 9, you know, he, he made just that first statement that said, love must be sincere. And it's not really a concept we think about, but... When you think of the model of sincere love, there's no other standard than God's. I mean, he proved it by sending Jesus despite our mistakes. And you just think of all the sins of the world that he was willing to forgive. And he did it in a sincere way. I mean, I think I always go to marriage in that way. It's it's like you try to play the game when you're mad at your your wife or whatever, and you give the appearance that you're forgiving or loving. But true love is, let's face it, we all make mistakes and being able to be sincere. I mean, you're going to get that from God more than you're going to come up with it with yourself because sometimes it's kind of fun to be mad. And I mean, that's just by the, the way, way we Jace, are. By the way, when you, by the time you get to Romans 14, he start talking about your interaction with your with your brothers, and down at the bottom he said, "If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. And there's a certain behavior is expected because he says, for this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord both of the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother?" I mean, look what you have. Look what's been done for you. 
Why do you look down on your brother? We'll all stand before the guy's judgment seat. So what he's, his point is, although it may seem difficult when you first hear it, loving your brother, it's got to be there, and it's got yeah. to be uh, an ongoing thing that you don't want to lose because once the quarreling and the yeah, 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 and all this starts, we got plenty of that in America or anywhere exactly. else all the time. You so, know, you know, I remember the first time I ever read First Corinthians thirteen when he defined love. I remember thinking, man, this is going to be tough. Love is patient. It's kind. It doesn't envy. And I just kept thinking, this, this well, this is going to be difficult, you know. And I kept reading. And when I got to the verse seven, and it said always protects, and I was thinking, yeah, I would protect the people. And then it said always trust. I stopped, and I said. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do this. Yeah, it, I mean, it took me a while. <laughs> but but about, I, I about was 75, failing. About 75 years, I'm still working on it. I, was, I failed to realize that because I just couldn't keep reading. I literally stopped right there and said, nope, I, I, I'm not sure I'm going to do this. And it says always trust. I, oh, I noticed. that. That's the part I had a big problem with. But I then realized as my faith journey as God adopting me went along, I figured out that, yeah, I was not going to be able to do this on my own. I was going to be trained by God's love and the experience of, of being and in Jesus. And have some some help from God. You know, the well, Holy right. Spirit's not yeah. there for nothing. It, 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 exactly. But now I've come to a place where I read it, and I'm like, okay, all them difficult, I understand that through his power I, I can do that. So Jace, uh, Lisa, and I, through the years, have worked with a, a lot of couples, obviously, that, but, you know, when we would see them, they would be in some sort of crisis. And I, I always thought it was interesting that the words always and never, which are in that 1 Corinthians 13 text, when I would listen to a couple and they're telling me what their issue is or what they think their issue is, they, they use the word always and never. So he never does this. He never does that. She always does this. She always does that. And it's it's not even true, but it's their perception of the way it yeah. is because they've gotten themselves in a place where the very reason they loved each other and got together in the first place has now come into this deal about you're always this and you're never that. And so I try I always try to take them back to that text because if you can realize that if you can begin to understand that your relationship is just an extension of what God has done with you, that's why he says we are the bri his bride, then you, you'll begin to break the walls down and say, if I can love like this passage mm. challenges me to in my relationship, I mean, that's going to change me forever. And, you know, sometimes it takes people a while to get there. Hey, Al, that reminds me of me and Jess. Remember that? Us coming to you a lot in the first couple of years. <laughs> I, I remember telling Jess brought it up the other day and I, I'm so embarrassed for saying this, but I did say it like after about a year, I said, we made a mistake. Like, let's just, <laughs> can we annul this thing? How do we just end it? And so I've, I've definitely been there. I'll tell you this though. You get in the habit of something good. I mean, I made a decision 10 or 12 years ago. I can't remember a long time ago that no matter what happened, I was going to compliment my wife every day, at least one compliment, no matter what happened. <clears throat> and and sometimes you just had to just, just, just pull up the last piece of red raw gut to say, all right. But I've done that every you day. You are quite the woman, honey. But now I'm such in the habit of it that I've done it every day for 10 or 12 years. So, but I notice now to go to Al's point is that she'll say when she's talking to other people, She'll say, he always compliments me no matter what. And, but I've done it every day for like 12 years. <clears throat> and I'm like, well, it took that long to notice <laughs> no matter what happened. But it's a habit. That's that always used in a way that builds up. Which and that's the key, I think, to everything. And and God'll give you that. It's just like my problem is patience. You know, I, I'm an impatient person. And so but I love my wife and she, she's a person that can't leave. Like she cannot leave things, places she can't leave, which puts me in a position where I'm always battling to be impatient. But I figured out a few years ago that that's why she's, that's why God put us together because I needed to work on patience. And so I love her more 
then I love my impatience. She and, wouldn't leave last night. I had to run her off. I know. That's what yeah. I'm saying. That's that's what she, well, my favorite, Al, there's been a, to Phil's point, I had a few moments where we were having a knockdown drag out, you know? But just in that moment, I thought, well, I'm going to throw the compliment out right in the middle of this. And whatever I said, and she's like, will you just shut up? You know? <laughs> <laughs> but then she laughed, like, okay, what are we doing? Which I'm sad, it's been quite helpful. So, But, but you're not going to do that by accident because that just – it took a few Jace, years. I know you're to my son, but I'd rather, I'd really rather that she be your wife and not mine. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Yeah, well, I'm thankful for that in whatever weird way that that was construed. <laughs> We're all married to the right people. It just got awkward. And Jeff, yeah. I'll say in closing that I'm proud that you didn't give in to that impulse at one year, and and you guys worked through, and now you have a great marriage, you have a great family. Yep. And what a blessing when we do the right thing. So that's an encouragement to our audience. Because you may be where Jeff was. You're in that first year of marriage, and you're thinking, oh, man. But just keep doing the right thing. Just keep keep loving, and you're going to get there. We laugh about it now, but, I mean, it was scary at the time. But It was. I mean, and it was only, you know, God, you know, working in us to uh, to show his love, which we showed love to each other. It, it yeah. makes sense right. now. It didn't at the time. Jeff, you'll find this funny yesterday because we're, we're fixing a venture on this show, perhaps, if it's the Lord will. That's another reason Jeff That's is right. here. So one of the producers showed up at my house yesterday, and they're you know trying to feel us out and, and see how this show is going to work. And so we talked for an hour, and as he's leaving, he's like, we appreciate you, you know, having us over here. And he's like, thanks, Jessica, for having us. And then he left, and I thought, oh, boy, it just got awkward. <laughs> if you're going to produce the show, realize who I'm married to. It was pre- I thought you'd appreciate that. I still get about every other week someone says, hey, Jace. I'm like, nope. We don't look nothing alike, but well, I well, actually we, showed a clip yeah. on Wikipedia. I saw the picture of me, and it's you, and you look like you were having a bad year. That picture <laughs> is you having a bad year beside my profile. Yeah. <laughs> Which what does that I don't know tell what us? That means. <laughs> all right, the clock okay. on the wall. We need says, to end that's it. all. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.